adoring God for who he is. So we began this series focus called Pray Like This. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus instructs the disciples in how to pray, and he says those very words, pray like this. And so we started the series last week by talking about the framework by which to understand prayer, that God is a compassionate and faithful and willing and capable Father in heaven. And we use the metaphor that Jesus Use this term father to describe what kind of father that God is. That he is compassionate, he's faithful, he's willing, he's capable. All this in the mindset of understanding what God's attitude toward prayer is. So how he responds to us from his heart. And today we're going to get even more of an inside glimpse into the heart of God. Because as Jesus begins the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, he is going to share with us more information about the kind of father that we have. Specifically, that this is a father who is in heaven, not an earthly kind of father. He is a father who is in heaven, and he is hallowed in his name. And we're going to talk about what those two phrases mean. So this week is all about the Lord's Prayer. And since this was specifically given to teach us and to teach the disciples how to pray, what we need to do is we need to look at it from all angles. I mean, rarely do you have scriptures where Jesus says, this is what you should do. And he did that with prayer. And so we're going to look at it from all angles. What is the order of the Lord's Prayer? What is the content of the Lord's Prayer? What is the phrasing of the Lord's Prayer? All this is very instructive for you and for me in this passage that is very familiar to us. So let's look in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil And then other translations will add, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You're very familiar with this. Most of you could recite this prayer. It's something that you've heard growing up. And yet, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the Lord's Prayer really means for us today. So today, we're going to qualify God as a Father even more, this other dimension. Because here's what's really important. As I pointed out last week, once we understand to whom we are praying, then we can know how to pray. We must understand first to whom we are praying, to whom we are addressing. Who is he? What kind of God? What kind of father is he? And so in verse 9, the very first phrase, this is all we're going to look at today. The very first phrase in verse 9, Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer by saying this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I'm going to explain this in detail, what this verse means. But suffice it to say that Jesus prays and he instructs us to pray by beginning our prayers with adoration. It's the foundation from which the rest of prayer should flow. So last week, you guys who were here last week, many of you, most of you participated in a little exercise at the end of the sermon where we had you write down a word that uh, is is valuable to you as you think about who God is to you. 
We received 169 of those last week. It was a great response. And John Owen, our graphic artist here at the Brook, put together a wordle. Some of you have seen wordles before. There's a big banner outside that has this very image on it, this wordle. And look at all these phrases up here, forgiving, love, all-knowing, merciful, strength, Abba, consistent, faithful, caring, Father. This is a beautiful picture. By the way, if you want this, email us and let us know. We'll send you the image. You can use it as a desktop or something. But these are the words that you responded back to us. And here's kind of the point of this. All of you understand God as being something to you. God has a character and a reputation to you. There are already some things that you believe to be true about Him. We know His character already. And so Jesus is now instructing us these inherent perceptions, provided they are accurate, that we have of God about who He is, His character, should be the way that we approach Him, should be the way that we address Him in prayer, and in fact should be the way that we begin our prayers with adoring Him for who He is. There's some great value to that. Let me share some of the reasons why adoration is the foundation to prayer. Why should we pray like this as Jesus instructed? Why should we begin prayer with adoration? Well, first of all, it focuses prayer first on God's character and ability. It it focuses prayer toward God's character and His ability, God's sufficiency, reminding us that God is indeed able. We don't focus initially in our prayers on our need or our lack of ability, or our lack of strength, we begin prayer with affirmation about who God is so that we can begin believing that He is capable. That's how we want to start our prayers. Which really leads to the next reason why we begin with adoration. It helps us acknowledge our dependence upon God. It it defies sometimes the self-sufficiency that we have in our lives. And the stubbornness and the lack of submission that we have to God. But when we bow before our Father in heaven and we adore Him for who He is, that is our faith and our trust in action in Him. We are believing in Him, not just describing a problem, and transferring our trust from ourself and our own resources to Him. Next. Beginning with adoration keeps prayer from becoming a shopping list. So often for us, prayers become shopping lists and cries of help, 911s, or very selfish and self-centered lists of things that we want God to give us. This allows us instead to adore God for who He is, which keeps God from becoming a cosmic genie that we only run to when we want to get the things that we want. So by temporarily pushing our specific request out of mind and first focusing on God himself and our relationship to him, we offer the Lord the time to comfort us by his Holy Spirit, to convince us that he hears us and that he is able, that he is willing to deal with the request that we were about to mention to him. Next, adoration reaffirms our personal relationship to God. Remember, God is a person, not a thing. God is not a force. 
God is a person who longs to relate to you and me in a living and loving personal relationship. And this is what prayer should do. It should bring us closer in relationship to Him. It should help us know Him more. And it should help us grow closer to Him. And then finally, why we begin prayer with adoration is because it gives to God the glory that He is due. This is so important. You know, God really inherently receives nothing from us. He's self-sufficient. God really does not need us. He doesn't receive anything from you and me. We don't pay him. We don't reward him. There is no payback for him doing us favors. The only thing, the one thing that God asks is that we recognize who he is, both with our lips and with our lives. That's all he wants. All he wants from you and me is to acknowledge his place in our lives and the glory that is due his name. That's all he wants from you and me. And in return, he blesses and he gives and he answers prayer. How would it feel for you who are parents to have children who constantly seek things from you, but who never appreciate or acknowledge your heart? Who never appreciate or acknowledge your generosity? Who never appreciate or acknowledge your faithfulness to them? Who really don't see all that you do for them, right? I'm speaking as an older parent right now, right? I'm saying the very things that my parents said about me. It's a curse. You know it to be true. You want your kids. They, they can't pay you back. Although now as they're working, maybe we should talk about that a little bit, right? We don't do it to get a reward back from them. All we want, all we want is just a little appreciation for all we give and all our heart. And if I feel that as an imperfect father here on this earth, I can't imagine what the God who is eminently able to do everything and who does so many things for us, how he longs to have his children adore him simply and respect him for who he is. This is why we begin prayer with adoration. Here's my point, folks. Sometimes, sometimes we don't pray God-conscious prayers. We pray self-conscious prayers. We pray need-conscious prayers. The goal, this is why Jesus says this, the goal is God-conscious prayers. Understanding his absolute sufficiency for every need that we have in our lives. And so as a way of expressing this adoration to God, Jesus instructs us in how to do that. He says, first of all, our Father who is in heaven. This is important. We'll come back to that. But then the next phrase is this. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. Let's look at this word hallowed. This is an interesting word. It's not a word we use much anymore. We don't don't use the word hallowed to talk about much, except for Halloween, which is really sad because it's taken the word and misused it and perverted it. The word hallow is the word in the original language, hagios, and it simply means this, holy. So it could be translated, holy is your name. Now, hallowed has a ring of reverence to it, though, doesn't it? And that's really the point, 
And that's why I think these translations, these English translations continue. Part of it is because we're used to the King James saying hallowed. But why they continue to, to translate it hallowed, because it, it rings of respect and reverence and transcendence of God. That He is holy, that He is separate, that He is set apart. This is important for us to understand. Because we can become so familiar with God that we kind of become, uh, we take Him for granted. Because He is so imminent and close, we forget about His holiness and transcendence. We forget that, as Isaiah said, He is high and lifted up. That He is holy. When Isaiah had the vision of God in heaven, he had to hide his eyes from God because of the holiness of God. And sometimes I think we take it a little bit for granted. We have a little bit of a casualness that is irreverent to some degree about who God is. I remember praying in a group one time years ago. And there was, there was a few young people in the group, college-age young people. And there, there was a guy who began his prayer as we went around the room. And there was a guy who began his prayer. And he said, as he started his prayer, he said, Hey God, what's up, bro? And I wanted to just, you know, stop right there. Continue praying in this very casual tone about God. We described God as a father last week, week right? We, we talked about how close he is, how compassionate he is, how willing he is, how capable he is. That's all very true. But we should not let that swing to an extreme where we now take God for granted and we don't understand that he is absolutely holy. That God is above and imminent. Hallowed be his name. It's really the perfect balance. He is a father, but he's not a father on earth. He is a father in heaven. He is divine. He is holy. Hallowed be your name, God. And so rather than take God with this kind of casual fashion, we need to be struck by the awesomeness of who God is and the absolute power of His holiness. So I start prayer by acknowledging, as is consistent with this word hallowed or holy, set apart, different, I start by acknowledging that God is different from me. That he stands outside my problems. He stands outside my needs. He stands separate from time and space in any limitations. And I begin my prayer by acknowledging the fact that he is indeed hallowed and holy and different and set apart. Absolutely able. Here's the next part of that phrase. Jesus said, start your prayers with hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. Interesting here. Holy be your name, hallowed be your name. You know, someone's name, here's what someone's name really means. Someone's name is their reputation based upon their consistent actions. I'm not talking about the title, Mike. The title, the actual word, Mike, is a symbol of something greater. Your name has the same thing, right? So when the name is said, it stands as a symbol for all the reputation that goes with that name based upon consistent actions. 
And so this thing of our name is really, really important. It stands for the character of the person. The whole character of the person is the idea. And so when we speak bad of someone or someone speaks bad of a person or someone destroys that person's reputation, that person will respond by saying what? You have ruined my name. In fact, the courts are filled with lawsuits of slander and libel and defamation of character. So you can't destroy someone's name. You're not supposed to. A person's name is to be protected. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus was teaching that prayer reflects the very character of God. In fact, prayer is based upon the character of God. The fact that we can pray to Him and approach Him is based upon the, the, the truth of who He is. And so when we say, holy is your name, we're saying to him, holy is your reputation. And that reputation is built upon consistent, congruent actions over time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now throughout the scripture, there are examples of adoration prayers Lots and lots of examples. I've got those references listed for you on your message outline. My great encouragement to you is this week is to go and look up those passages and read those adoration prayers by people in the Bible. They are so encouraging. In fact, they are prayers that you could pray yourself. Do you ever put yourself in the prayers of the Scripture? It's a good thing to do. So, for instance, in Psalm 23... When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've prayed before, the Lord is Mike's shepherd, I shall not want. You put yourself in those adoration prayers and they flow from your heart. They're amazing examples. Let me run through some of these that I've listed for you. Because they are indeed powerful and they represent what God really means throughout history. So in Exodus, Moses adored God as the God who parted the Red Sea. In 1 Samuel 2, Hannah adored him as the God who gave a barren woman a son. In Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah adored him who moved a king to rebuild Jerusalem. In 2 Samuel 22, David adored God who delivered David from all of his enemies. In 1 Kings 8, Solomon adored God who indwells the holy temple with his power, with his presence. In the Psalms, uh, the psalmist adored God as beautiful Adored God as the God of steadfast love. Adored God as my strength, my joy, who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns me with steadfast love and with mercy. The book of Revelation. At the end, when God makes all things right. At the end, when justice finally comes to this sad and sorry world. At the end, when His kingdom comes to be established forever and ever and ever in revelation it says that the angels and the elders and a great multitude that no one could number and every nation adored him praying holy 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 is the lord god almighty and prayed and adored worthy is the lamb who was slain and prayed and adored blessing and glory and wisdom and honor and power and might be to our god forever and ever <laughs> these are praises of exaltation Adoration flowing from a heart of gratitude. 
that mobilizes God in his response to you and me. And it sets prayer in its proper place. This is the God to whom we pray. This is the God to whom we pray. And when you bow your head, and when you begin to utter to the God of heaven and earth, recognize and remember that holy is his name. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses and Nehemiah and Joseph and Isaiah, the God of Paul and Peter is the same God that you pray to. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. What a great privilege we have to address the CEO of the universe. And we should not become familiar with it. And we should not take it for granted. And by adoring him at the very beginning of our prayers, we set our prayers on the right course to ascribe to God all that he is due. You know, the truth is, folks, I know this to be true for me. I know it's true for you. We don't always understand prayers from God. We don't. We don't always understand the seemingly lack of an answer to prayer. We don't understand why we have to wait so long for prayers to be answered. We don't understand that answers come in different forms and shapes than what we would like. We don't always understand that. We feel sometimes that he is silent and maybe even feel that he is uncaring. Here's the whole point about this. This is why Jesus would instruct us in this way. Prayer really, prayer really, ultimately, despite what is said, prayer is all about understanding the heart of God for you and me. The heart of God for you and for me. And so my admonition to you here as we talk about prayer is that you may not understand the answers. You may not understand God's plans. You may not always see his hand at work. But when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Trust his heart. He is a father in heaven. And holy is his name. Let's bow. And let's talk to this holy heavenly father. Let me right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You know, one of the most courageous things that you can do throughout life is speak the truth to yourself about yourself. To admit kind of where you are. Um, this is what the Bible means by confession. When we confess, we say the same things about our lives that God would say about our lives. And so, 
maybe you've been like me. None of us are perfect. Our prayers, we feel like, fall short. Sometimes we feel like they don't get past the ceiling. Maybe you had times where all you've done is run to God with a crisis or a problem or with something to be fixed. With shopping lists, with only cries of help, treating God like a spare tire that you pull out of the trunk only when you need him. Maybe God's word to you this day is to stop the incessant pleading for just a moment to recognize the God to whom you're praying. To adore him for who he is. These words that when asked, we could say, yeah, God is this to me, are words we feel, words we know, but possibly words we rarely say to him in prayer. So my encouragement to you and Jesus' instructions to you is to begin your prayers with pure adoration for the beauty of who God is. And so, Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reputation throughout generations, God, is one of faithfulness, one of holiness, one of love and might and power and works. All of which stand outside of your needs. To give us what we need. Your very orientation of your heart is God toward man. It was epitomized in Jesus who came from heaven to this earth reflecting your very heart to give and to serve and to sacrifice. He is who you are. So Lord, forgive us for short-sighted, selfish, petty little prayers. Forgive us for treating you like some kind of genie in a bottle. And help us, Father, at times just to sit, enjoy your beauty. Asking nothing of you. And yet giving to you the glory that is due your name. For you, God, are holy. Beyond our reason, nothing like us in our abilities 
and yet so close and loving. So thank you. Praise you, God. May we walk in the awareness of who you are this week. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.